0: Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: Although it may not feel at times like we died with Christ, learning to believe what doesn't at the moment feel true is an essential part of being a Christian. You see, if I'm going to make headway, I've got to begin to recognize that it doesn't matter how I feel. This is where people are tripped up all the time, and especially in this current moment where everything comes down to you are what you feel.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Colossians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 in a message titled, Risen with Christ. Now, here's Pastor Brian.
1: All right, so here we are with our study through Colossians. Picking up today, we're going to focus on chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. But it's always important to keep the context. So we want to follow through here because the first four verses of chapter 3 are Paul's final word on what he has already been saying. So in these verses Paul is concluding his refutation of the philosophy of the false teachers who are troubling the Colossians. So once we get to verse 5, we're moving really away from the the more the doctrinal portion of the letter. And we're coming to the practical application. So from 3 5 on to the rest, we're looking at practical application. But here, as I said, Paul is finishing up his argument against these false teachers. Now, their message is one of strict adherence to powerless religious rituals in order to attain spiritual perfection. And that's indicated there in verse 20, do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, observe the Jewish festivals, the new moons, the Sabbaths. And these false teachers were saying, if you do this, then you're really going to be gaining some ground spiritually. You're really going to be spiritual and accepted by God if you Adopt these things if you add these things onto your faith in Christ. But Paul the apostle, he says, not so. Even though these things might look spiritual, they are of no value in bringing a person into the level of holiness that God calls us to and has provided for us in Christ. You see, these false teachers are saying in order to be really holy, like as holy as God wants you to be, you need to engage in these kinds of rituals and practices. Paul says, no, not so. The kind of holiness that God is calling us to cannot be found in these earthly things. This holiness comes from our relationship with Christ. Professor N.T. Wright, who was also the Bishop of Durham, he's an Anglican scholar, and he wrote a commentary on the New Testament. And in his commentary on Colossians, he does a translation from the Greek of the whole text of Colossians. Let me read to you his translation of chapter two, verses 22 through 23. I think his translation really makes Paul's argument clear here he says this these are the sort of regulations and teachings that mere humans invent they may give an appearance of wisdom since they promote a do-it-yourself religion a kind of humility and severe treatment of the body but they are of no use when it comes to dealing with physical self-indulgence Wright goes on to say, so that's the passage. Then he goes on to comment on it. He says, these are simply regulations that function at a worldly level. You will merely be giving up a worldly self-indulgence of a sensual kind for a worldly self-indulgence of a spiritual kind. So he's saying that, look, by doing this, all you're doing is you're going from one form of indulgence to another, the things that they were engaged with as what we would call immoral Colossians, idolaters, all of the sexual deviation and all of that sort of stuff. Paul says, okay, you're moving away from that. That's worldly self indulgence. Now you're just going to move to more of a, it's a, still a self indulgence, but it's spiritual. And so he says, it may well have the appearance of wisdom, but it won't actually attain the goal. It won't succeed in making you genuinely holy through and through. You see, because only Christ can do that. You know, if you stop and think about it, you think about all of these kinds of things. And and again, Paul refers to what these teachers were insinuating. They came from a Jewish background. So they're emphasizing the, the festivals, the holy days, the dietary regulations and so forth. But whether it's Jewish in nature or just in other forms of religion, you have all of these external things. And if you stop and think about it, you, you just have to think like, well, how can observance of these things do anything to really change a person from the inside out? And the answer is they can't, they don't. They never have. And that's what Paul is really getting at here. Only Christ can do that. And so since you've died and risen with Christ and you are in him and he is in you, there's nothing more for you to do than to simply realize and embrace who you are in Christ and what is yours because you are in Christ. So what Paul wants them to understand and we talked about this previously when we looked at the fact that we're complete in Christ. Remember, Paul's just saying to them, look, this stuff is of no benefit. Oh yeah, it said, look spiritual, but it's not. It's not helpful. The answer is not in any of these things. The answer is in Christ and in going deep in him. And so he says in chapter three, verse one, if then or it could be translated since then you were raised with Christ seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God so this is what we do as Christians as Christians we do not come out of either just you know pure sinfulness or some religious ritual and then add more religious ritual as a Christian. No, we come out of all of that and we come into, to Christ himself and, and we seek Christ. I mean, I just think in my mind of, um, you know, so many different manifestations of Christianity, but a Christianity that's really been corrupted in some ways where the emphasis and the focus is on anything and everything, but Christ. Now I've mentioned before that I grew up in a Roman Catholic context and I'm not saying this as a put down to any Catholics, but I remember back in those days, I mean, there was an emphasis on so many things. There was an emphasis, of course, on the mass, and there was the emphasis on personally on making sure you had been to confession, and there was an emphasis on the various saints and praying to them, and I remember praying through the rosary diligently, and all of these things, the candle lighting and all of that, but where was Christ? Uh, there, there was no pointing to Christ as the ultimate and he's the one that we just need to be seeking him. And that's the problem. And that's the problem that Paul is arguing against here. And so he is basically telling us that in Christ, we are above all these human systems, human systems that are developed for the purpose of self justification, self righteousness, or self improvement. You see, that's what every religion is it's based on me trying to justify myself before God through my diligent observance of these things. Or me trying to present a righteousness to God that's acceptable to him because look at what I've done. I've worked so hard at this. I've tried so hard. I've devoted myself to this. Now here's the righteousness that I'm bringing to you. Or God, I'm just trying to be the best person I can. I've been working on this self-improvement. That's what all of this is. Paul says that's all part of the system that is of the world. He says, you have been raised in Christ. So we are basically above all of that. We are not to entangle ourselves in these futile efforts to purify and perfect ourselves. That's what they are. They're futile efforts to purify and perfect. And perfect ourselves. We're not to entangle ourselves in these things, Paul says, but we are to turn away from them completely and seek Christ alone. You see, it's in Christ that all of the spiritual perfection you'll ever need is going to be found in Christ and in Christ alone. Again, let me quote from N.T. Wright. He put it beautifully. He said, You need to come out altogether from the worldly sphere presided over by the elemental spirits, the shadowy powers that operate within the present creation, doomed as it is to decay and perish. Now, he's referring back to what Paul said. He said that all of these things do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, all of this stuff, it's all connected to the basic principles of the world or the elemental spirits of the world. We talked about that in a previous message. Right here is saying that we just need to come out altogether from that sphere. He says, you need to belong instead to God's new world, the new creation that is being brought in to replace the old. The truly human life you seek, and when he's talking about the truly human life here, he's talking about the truly human life that is godly, that we are seeking as the people of God. The truly human life you seek, the life of a genuine, glad holiness that runs right through the personality, is to be found in the new world. And the good news is that if you belong to Christ, you already do belong to the new world you see as this is the deal faith in christ and the religion that we commonly call christianity i'll just use that term because it's commonly referred to that christianity is as high above the earth as the heavens are as high above the earth All the other religious systems, all of the other ideas about how a person is to get right with God, they're all just firmly planted here on the ground, and that's it. That's why some have, I think, accurately pictured religion as people standing on the ground reaching up to heaven on their tiptoes with their fingers stretched out, doing their best to try to connect to the heavens. That is religion. Paul is saying that's the best religion could do. We have something that's so much higher than that. We're not dealing with the earth anymore. We are in this heavenly thing where Christ is. And so he says then, if you're then raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. So this is what we're to do as the people of God. We're not to get caught up in these ritualistic kinds of things thinking that, oh, somehow this is gonna make me a better Christian or this is gonna perfect me or this is gonna do for me what I can't seem to do for myself. That, it's already done by Christ. But what do we do? We are to seek the things above. What are the things that are above? Well, they're the things of the Spirit. You see, as God's people, our lives are really just to be taken up, consumed. Our primary passion in life is to be the things of the Spirit. What are the things of the Spirit? Well, the love of Christ. I'm to seek the love of Christ. I'm to just grow in that experience of the love of Christ. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord, those are the things that are above. That is connected to those things of the Spirit. The joy of the Lord, that I would be walking in the love of Christ and the joy of the Lord. The peace of God, that I would be experiencing the peace of God, living in the peace of God. The fruit of the Spirit. So you see, seeking the things that are above, I'm seeking these things, but how am I doing that? Well, I'm seeking Christ himself. And you see, as we seek Christ through his word, as we take it and as we ingest it, as we seek Christ through communicating with him in prayer, as we seek Christ through the experience of the other members of his family, and as we hear about the work of God in another person's life, I'm seeking Christ, I'm hearing about Christ, and I'm taking that truth about Christ into my own life. That's what we're talking about. The things of the spirit, of course, would include the will and the purpose of God. So you see, that's what it means. Seek the things that are above. I'm seeking the things that have to do with Christ. Christ is, at the end of the day, Christ is everything. And so whatever I'm doing in, at the end, everything's going back to him. I'm seeking those things. He says here, set your mind on things above and the picture of setting your mind here is really to be fixated on and you know how somebody g- can get fixated on something and you know sometimes that's not so good i mean sometimes people can fixate on a negative thing but then other people you know like you know it, there can be a good thing as well well this is a good thing be fixated on christ let him be like this is your primary focus that's what he's talking about so set your mind on things above and then he says this not on the earth see again all of those other things that we just talked about those are all they're all connected to the earth so Paul says no don't fixate on those things don't set your heart or your affection on those things don't think that that's what your relationship with God is about that you now fixate on these things here and there, these different rituals and these habits and these practices and things. No, that's not it. Because in fixating on that, you you miss the point. You miss the point of the relationship with Christ. So not on the things of the earth. Now, let me just say that this does not refer to the joys and pleasures that God has built into his creation. Now, some people have mistakenly thought that as a Christian, I am just to be so disconnected from the world that I don't enjoy it, that I don't experience any pleasure here, that I just think of the world in negative terms. It's all about sin and darkness and all of that. Well, let's not forget that this is still our Father's world, despite the fact that it has come under the curse of sin, despite the fact that it is under the indirect dominion of the devil. It's still God's world. And so when Paul says not to set our minds on the things of the earth, like I said, he's not saying that we're to have a disdain for nature or anything like that. Of course, through nature, we can glorify God. We see things that help us to understand even more his glory and his beauty and his wonder and his greatness. So let's just be clear about that. But what he's talking about when he says not on the things of the earth, he's talking about the godless system that dominates human life and civilization. That's what he's talking about. Not to set our minds on those things. And like I said, those things include these religious types of things as well. They're all connected together. Like N.T. Wright said, one of them is a sensual worldliness. The other is a spiritual worldliness. And so here we can look more at the sensual part of things. And Paul's gonna actually address that when we get to the fifth verse. So that'll come in our next study. But when we think about not setting our affection or, or focusing our attention or fixating on the earth, again, we're talking about the world in the negative sense, as a system. And John describes it in his first letter in chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, where he says, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, or you could say the desires of the flesh, the lust or desires of the eyes and the pride of life, these are not of the Father, but they are of the world. So what is he talking about? The lust of the flesh, he's talking about the passions that drive us, the passions that the world are consumed with. And we see it all around us. And we see it, especially in our generation with the issues of sexuality. And and this isn't new to our generation. Of course, in the first century, they had the same problems with this passion and these sensual lust and desires. And many of the worship Means in those days, the the idolatrous temples and so forth, they revolved around these passions. And so the passions, the desires of the body, sexual, or it could just be greed. It can just be selfishness, those kinds of things. So he's talking about that. He's talking about the lust of the eyes. And you could just define this as possessions. Possessions the lust of the eyes. I see that. I desire that. I want to possess that. It could refer to materialism. And then finally, he says the pride of life, which speaks of position. And so these are the things in the world. This is what people fixate on. They want to gain a position in the world. They want to make a name for themselves. They want to have notoriety and so forth. These are the things that those who are earthbound, these are the things they're consumed with. Paul says, not so with you. Don't fixate on the things of the earth, but rather he says on the things that are above. And then he says, for you died. For you died. When Christ died, we died With him. That is taught over and over again in scripture. One of the main things Paul longs for the new Christians to realize is what is already true of them in Christ. Because Christ and his people are so closely bound up with one another, he lays it down as a basic principle what is true of Christ is true of his people. So he died we died. We died with Christ when he died. Now, it may not feel like that at times, right? Isn't it true that a lot of times we feel like our passions are very much alive. We feel like our desires for the wrong things are very much a part of who we are. This is where we have to understand how this works. As a Christian, Paul tells us, that we are to reckon ourselves to be dead to sin. Now we died with Christ, but even though we at times don't feel like that, we are to consider that to be the reality and we are to act not upon how we feel, but we're to act upon that fact. And so, although it may not feel at times like we died with Christ, learning to believe what doesn't at the moment feel true is an essential part of being a Christian.
0: And now let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource on Back to Basics.
1: Today there are so many things swirling around in the culture regarding sexuality, regarding the body, regarding ideas like, well, my body says I'm one thing, but my mind tells me I'm something else. How do we make sense of this stuff? Are there biblical answers? And yes, there are. My good friend Sam Albury has written a book called What God Has to Say About Our Bodies. And in it, he's going to address the issues of same-sex relations. He's going to address transgenderism and several other things that pertain to our bodies. And he's going to address these current issues. He's going to do it in a very biblically sound way and a very loving and gracious way at the same time. So I want to highly recommend What God Has to Say About Our Bodies by Sam Albury. Check it out.
0: Again, this month's resource is a book titled, What God Has to Say About Our Bodies, How the Gospel is Good News for Our Physical Cells" by Sam Albury. You can order the book, What God Has to Say About Our Bodies, by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it, and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book, What God Has to Say About Our Bodies by Sam Albury. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com